welcome to uh, the North Campus of Casting Nets podcast. We welcome you to uh, uh, the continuation of our conversation and slash Bible class of Scandalous Stories, looking at some of the parables of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah, scandalous stories. They might be the parable themselves might be scandalous or the the scene in which it is and the setting in which it's found uh, might be scandalous at the time. And so sometimes the parables are so familiar to us that we forget just how scandalous they were at the time. And maybe sometimes we are have the one meaning that we're thinking of with the parable and we don't realize that there's more to this parable. Not to say that there's like tons of little tiny information things about the parable, but sometimes there's more to the parable than meets the eye. Yeah, it's amazing how, you know, uh, the, the the word of the Lord is living and active, right? And what we thought we knew when we when we first encountered it um, and we first engaged with it all of a sudden grows with us and changes a little bit and morphs. The things that we learned were true, but we, we gained a depth um, and a breath to it um, that we didn't have before. And so hopefully that's what we'll bring to the table as we have our conversation for today. Uh, before we do that, uh, just the the – Kind of the basic disclaimer. I don't think we're going to say anything offensive today, but if we do say something that is offensive, it's not our intention. Uh, we are going to lift high the, the cross of Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're going to keep to the confessions of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Church, the confessional Lutheran Church. And, um, we are, you know, not always going to maybe voice the opinions of our called church bodies because this is a conversation we're going to be throwing things out. Yeah, just throwing stuff up against the wall, seeing what sticks. So if there is something uh, that you are want some clarification on, we invite conversation because this is meant to be the beginning of a conversation and not the end. So reach out to us in person at St. John Maribel. That's where you'll find Pastor Will Harley. Or if you're looking for Pastor Dave Rudat, go to St. John and Maribel and talk to Will Harley instead. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, go to Emmanuel and Shirley. You can email us at castingnetspod at gmail.com. And, of course, you can make comments on our our YouTube pages or our Facebook uh, page as well. So our YouTube now has a handle. So now it's Casting Nets Pod is the YouTube handle that you can nice. use to find us. Nice. So I would also just say that um, um, during vacancies, because there's a lot of vacancies out there right now, um, that this is being used on, and encouraged to being used as a form of Bible study for them. So um, because Bible study format usually is question and answer, things like that, we might not give a ton of opportunity for you to to answer within the show because we're kind of rolling along, but please bring us some questions and answers and treat it like a Bible study. Um, because we really are trying to do this for your benefit. Um, although we enjoy the conversation as well. I hit the wrong button. <laughs> I hit the Man, wrong button. That was, I was abrupt. So, so, Ooh, boom! Just done now. Yeah, Speech. go. <laughs> hit the wrong button. The the <laughs> you know all the practice that he has. He's sitting there and it's the lights. He's just like Ooh. the flashy button thing. <laughs> so the the parable of the weeds is the wheat and weeds or wheat and tares is our subject, and that's in Matthew chapter thirteen verses twenty four to thirty, and then also Jesus. Uh, explains it uh, later on in that chapter. And I tried to get a picture. I was going to take my nice DSL camera and go out into the fields and find a nice picture of a wheat field, but it was too grainy. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, that's going to be pretty much our show for. <laughs> No, as you, I, I think before we we want to get in and we want to we want to talk about um, the parable. But like we said in the beginning of the show, a lot of the, um, a lot of the parables really become scandalous because of the area in which they're found and and what surrounds them. And interestingly enough, um, where this particular parable is found, um, we're not exactly sure the time and the event. Um, it's very similar, uh, in, in the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter eight, Matthew chapter nine, where we have like these consecutive miracles that Jesus seems to be doing. Uh, we're not exactly sure all of the, the things that have been going on and the things that are surrounding the event. And so it, it becomes more difficult when we look at this particular parable, um, to say, okay, why is it scandalous? when it was spoken. And so you got to sort of put yourself in the mindset of the people um, and, and then maybe take a step back and, and sort of focus out that what is Jesus talking about? He's, he's in the middle of uh, saying a lot of parables about um, the kingdom of God. He's in the middle of, of really making a lot of connections to farming, right? As he's teaching this. So, cause right before it, we have the parable of the sower. Um, you then have, of course, the, the parable of the weeds. Then you're going to have the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. Um, and then you're going to have the explanation and you're going to have the parable of the lost treasure. So you have all of these kind of farming, um, except for the parable of the lost treasure, the pearl and that, um, not necessarily farming, but gathering type of, of ideas. And so you have a lot of these, these things that are, are kind of coming in together. Um, so we can't give it a place and say, this is what was going on around Jesus at the time. Um, but I could, I think we could definitely say, you know, he's, he's doing rural ministry. He's, he's talking to people who knew farming and, and understood kind of the practices. All right. That's the background of the parable. So let's read it from Matthew chapter 23, verse 24. He, that is Jesus presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the plants sprouted and produced heads of grain, the weeds also appeared. The servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? He said to them, An enemy did this. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and gather up the weeds? No, he answered, because when you gather up the weeds, you might pull up the wheat along with them. Let's both, let both grow together until the harvest, and at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, first gather up the weeds, bind them up in bundles, and burn them. Then gather the wheat into my barn. So, you know, let's, let's jump, I want to talk about the whole entire thing, because this is a beautiful and, and just a, a picturesque and rich parable. But let's jump to the most scandalous point. The, the most scandalous point of the parable is is right there at the end when the 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 um, servants say, "Do you want us to go and gather the weeds, gather up the weeds?" And he says, "No." That's the scandalous point yeah. of of the whole entire parable because traditionally and even today, you know, when weeds start coming up, you 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 go in and you spray the weed killer. You get rid of the weeds. You don't want them to go to head. You don't want them to to have a chance to spread because they're going to when harvest comes, just like your wheat has come in, the weeds are now looking to spread all of their 
their extra weediness and their extra weedy friends into the rest of the field. And so this is a, a scandalous event to, to have the, the owner say, no, don't, don't bring them in. Just leave them there until, until we collect the harvest. I have a thought question. Sure. I like to think <clears throat> in the traditional sense of what is science fiction and science fiction is where you take um, something about humanity and you tweak one part of it and then you play it out to see how it, how it happens. It seems like Jesus is telling a science fiction story. And the reason is, is because a lot of this doesn't match up with agriculture at the time, like you were just mentioning. Like you would take care of the wheat right away. So that's what makes this scandal. It's just what makes it different. What makes it memorable is that uh, this master is a little bit different than than how they normally do it. And there's there's other aspects of you can tell what a weed is, weed is before it's, it, it does the head. You, should, you can tell by where you, you planted the seed here, the wheat's over here. You should be able to tell the difference between the two. At least you can correct me if I'm wrong, so your I, listener as well. But and, and I would say, and I would just, I would just say that this flows in the way that the way that the Spirit allows Matthew to give this. Um, this flows kind of from the same idea of the sower which is the parable right before where he kind of indiscriminately just is throwing it out there. So, so to say that he knows where exactly he planted it as opposed to why this weed is, I I don't know if that would actually be um, a truism according to the way that Jesus has already previously talked about sowing seeds. So, so I would say that less, but I would agree with you that, that normally people who are in the trade, would recognize this this doesn't look right. Yes. And 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 I would agree with you. That that's what I was saying. Yeah. That's yeah. how science fiction tweaks something about what we have right now and then plays it out. So what's the question? That was the question. Oh. That was the, so basically <laughs> I want Jesus to be a science fiction author. Is it basically where I'm writing? Well, and so he, I have he to talk put about like in, the world to come. <laughs> so Fire that's, just, that's just my sci fi nerdiness coming through. And so I have to put that in check because this is Jesus speaking to us about real truths and not about my science fiction stuff. So, well, I mean, he's talking about the Reapers. So, <laughs> Firefly reference. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, that is a Firefly <laughs> reference. That is awesome. Very good. Very good. Um, no, but I, I think what you have here in yeah. <clears throat> so you have this. What, what's presented seems to be. Um, a parable that there, there's a lot of loopholes and, and some people have tried to say in this parable that there was mismanagement by the sower because uh, he didn't pay attention to people going out into the field. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that's an appropriate um, criticism uh, in mm-hmm. this because I mean, everyone needs to sleep. Right. right. Um, you, you seem to have, Oh, Mass Effect. Sorry. We've been corrected. Mass Effect. It's a Mass Effect. Reapers. Reavers is fire. Reavers is fire. Yeah, I misheard you. My ears Um, betrayed me once again. But I think you have one of these things in, in, you, you have some, this very unique situation where you have, have, um, the man, a man who goes out and sows, and then he seems to give what was sowed to the responsibility of others. And those others, are just doing their job. Um, and that's why they come back and they're asking, didn't you, I didn't do this. Yeah. I, I didn't sow this. I didn't start this, but you did. And so what did you plant? 
I mean, there, there it seems there there's and there is something in the kingdom I think that is a reminder for us, right? That we didn't sow, we didn't plant. Um, I didn't start this church. I didn't start my faith. I didn't start the faith in my children. Um, that's all on my Lord. That's all on on my Savior. And sometimes when we step back and we look at the church, especially as called workers, we have an opportunity to do this. We step back and we look at the church, and, and maybe we are very much like those workers that come back to the Lord and say, "What are you doing here? Did did, did you plant that? <laughs> yeah, what's going on? <laughs> you know, like um, this the uh, in the book that we read the 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 example of of uh, Tony, right? So if you ever can grab the book, you can read the example of Tony. But you know, he didn't have his life <laughs> together, um, divorces and lost jobs and. Um, just didn't get it together. And then you want to have at the end, well, what happened to him, right? That was the person that the Lord brought into the church. And the question is, did you really plant this? Is, is this really someone that, that God wanted? And the, and dear listeners, you're listening to this, the, the, in the book, it talks about the kind of people that sit in your pews. And Tony was an example of someone you would say, what is, what business does he have sitting in there because of his past life? Because he continually made mistakes and, and uh, foolish decisions. So what is he doing there? And the temptation for God's people to say, we have to weed out the weeds before the harvest, which is, I'm getting ahead of ourselves, but just the idea of this is God's work in the church, and he is the one who is bringing this group together. And in that group, there might be people that are not believers yet or People who are believers who won't be believers, but there, it's an intermix. Uh, what I appreciated about that, uh, picture is that Jesus is, uh, the book is Jesus is perfectly okay. He's not afraid to have his believers in the midst of unbelievers, which is a kind of a scandalous thing for us to say. Cause yeah. we, we hear the, oh, don't mix up with unbelievers. Don't let the world influence you. Uh, stay separate from the world, which is, Yes, we should uh, be recognize that the world can influence us in a negative way, but it is never God's designed to have uh, believers completely isolated from the rest of the world, that we are going to be in the mix of believers, unbelievers, even on Sunday morning. You're going to have hypocrites coming to church, and is it your job to weed them out? Yes, it's our job to do church discipline and to see sin and point it out, but it's not our job to say, are you really a believer? Are you really a believer? Are you really a believer? I can't believe you're you're here because uh, I saw what you did on Friday night or Saturday night. Well, and, and I would just go, you know, um, a little bit of a step further and say, you know, when you when you go to the end of the parable and you see the reaction of the man and he's is he's as the people are like, should I weed them out? And he says, no, don't, because you're going to hurt the wheat. And, and I think that's something that, that we can take home too within the church because the tendency is, you know, we, we need to weed the people out. We need to, we need to clean up the books. We need to, whatever the case may be. But in the pro, and I'm not saying that we can't go about that work. What I'm saying is, is, and I think what, what Jesus is, is hinting at here is the problem isn't the weeds. The, the the problem in the church isn't the isn't the one that looks like the Christian acts like the Christian uh, Christian blows with the wind of the Christian. The problem is when the Christian is trying to eat itself and and remove them, they're harming themselves. Um, and and you know there's in just a case in a point you know there's I've had many conversations with 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 congregations where they're like, well, I know this person doesn't attend. 
and we probably should should release them from our membership. But if we do that, their grandma, who's very, very faithful, is going to be extremely upset and hurt. You know, so you take that into consideration. And should you have to? Maybe not, because you're like, well, they're not there. Should they be on our books anyway? But but is is this what Jesus is? And I guess maybe that's my question. Is that the kind of example that Jesus is is saying is you have these people who may be calling themselves a part of the church, but they're not a part of the church. And if you take action to remove them, you're going to hurt the person who's related to them who's in the church and loves them and has said, I, I want them to have every connection I can get for them because you never know. And now you've removed that and, and that becomes a hurt to them. Is that what he's saying? I, I, I'm, maybe it's a question worth discussing. Yeah. I think that the church should always be doing church discipline. It shouldn't stop from doing it because this, this parable isn't saying don't ever do church discipline because you might upset grandma. I think the church, the, it's saying you should, um, do church discipline because you want that person to come back so that she sits next or he or she sits next to grandma sure. on Sunday morning. So this is that. That's uh, so. This... I've always, I've always felt church discipline to be an, an odd duck, and and I'm not saying because it's not something needful, but it's in scripture when when we when you view the use of church discipline, it is the person who is gathering, the person who is is in the assembly, and he he commits a sin, right? Does something, hurts somebody, whatever else. Then the church steps forward and does the discipline. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> is it church discipline for someone who doesn't show up? And, and is, says, well, I was baptized there. I was maybe confirmed there, but then for the last 15 years has never graced the doors. They're really not a, they're not a member. They're not a part of the church. It's not really disciplined because they've already self-disciplined them. I mean, they've, they've self-removed. And so I look at it's that. It's a both and, not an either or. So it's both the people that have not been in church for a long time and the people in church who are, um, struggling with sin. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was one of the conversations that we've had at the congr in, in the congregation level is, <clears throat> you know, the old school would have been somebody who doesn't show up for church. You excommunicate them. Well, what is excommunicate? It means that they're no longer able to take communion, right? Typically excommunication by its term is used for somebody who is coming to church, but is holding on to a sin that they're unrepentant of. And therefore we, we want them to hear the gospel. We want them to hear the law. We want them to, to, to come to the knowledge that this is a sin, be forgiven, and then come back to the table. But it's not excommunication of somebody who's self-excluded, who, who, who has taken their own abilities and said, I don't want to be here and just have left. I mean, that is, that's really not ex, I mean, you are practicing church discipline in the sense of, we are recognizing you have removed yourself. We don't desire for this to happen for you. We want you to come back. We want to give you these things. But we are also recognizing we we can't have this – we don't have this connection. What I'm hearing you say is that church discipline has often just been defined to seek out the straying, those who aren't in worship. But you're saying church discipline should be stricter than that or higher than that, where it's talking about the church, talking about the sins of – the individuals inside. And this parable doesn't address it. It, it, it more addresses the mindset of we got to weed out the, the, the big sinners in our congregation. Like that, that's our job. We have to, we, only people that are pure can worship here, which is what Jesus is, is the, the whole point of the parable, I believe is the weeds are going to be among the wheat. Uh, there's going to be a, a combination of the two. Right. Which is exactly the, the, the idea, which, which I think people look at it and say, so how does church discipline fit into that? 
because church discipline seems as if you're weeding them out. And you could come back and say, Jesus told us not to weed them out. And so, so this becomes a scandalous thing, right? There's, there's this pressure. Yeah. The tension. Yeah. And Jesus alleviates the tension as he explains it. So can we, we think so. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So going to verse 44. Nope. I'm sorry. Verse. (laughs) You're forgiven. Uh, 36. Thank you. Verse 36. Then Jesus sent the people away and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered them, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. The reapers are angels. Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered up and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will pull out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and those who continue to break the law. The angels will throw them... Oh, what happened? I don't know. The angels will throw them into a fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Yeah, so I think this <clears throat> this actually moves it even uh Jesus's explanation moves it away from where we wanted to keep it. Um we wanted to keep the conversation, you know, how does the church deal with this and looking at the church and and Jesus throws open the gates and says, "I'm not necessarily dealing with just the church. I'm I'm dealing with the world and and there's there's my garden. My garden is what I created and uh guess what? You, you, you can't remove all the weeds in the world. <laughs> so no crusades. Uh, it's very yeah. strong. It gets no crusades. Uh, does the scripture say that we should kill the infidel? Nope. Not no. in, not in, not in Matthew 13. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that, that I, I think, you know, maybe the Catholic Church should have read this before, um, their time in history when they sent a lot of crusades over to reclaim. Um, sorry, that was a commentary for a different time. Um, but, but I think you have a really good explanation, right? We have, we have this explanation and, and this setup now between the church and the world. Um, so there is a body of believers, um, that only God knows. Uh, the angels are going to be given, um, the right to know who are, are found in faith, who aren't. And they're going to be in and among the rest of the world, which also, I guess, on the flip side means that there's some discouragement in this too. And the discouragement is that the weeds are going to be allowed to propagate just as much as the wheat is going to be allowed to propagate until the harvest comes in, um, which which maybe is kind of uh, anticlimactic or, or the anti-antithesis of what our society would desire, right? We want to bring back a Christian society, and so we want to bring back laws that are going to weed out um, the wrongs. Right. If life is is terrible today and it feels like it's going to break you, don't worry. It'll show up tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And that is true. (laughs) Life life will show up tomorrow. (laughs) So, but but it's one of those things, right? Where where I think we we live in a society where we we want things to be better, 
And, and I think you, 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 you brought up this whole idea of, um, sci-fi, right? And, and there's a whole section, there's two sections of sci-fi. There is, there is, um, the post-apocalyptic sci-fi type Mm -hmm. stuff where everything goes to pot and it's still in pot and you're like, this is horrible. That's kind of the reality. Um, and the future reality of, of where things could go. But then there's that other sci-fi kind of genre where, Everything seems to be like golden and better. And it's like a utopia that was found. Um, and that doesn't seem to be what Jesus is talking about, that there's going to be these, this, this tension mm-hmm. until the end, which is a sad state of affairs. Right. And the, the picture of the angels gathering up the wheat and the weeds is a reminder to us as Christians that that is not our job, that we're, we're not, to do the angel's job to weed out all the evildoers, uh, that's going to happen at the end of the world. Our job is to proclaim Christ, which at the beginning of this, uh, we for, we skipped over this part, but I think it's important where Jesus says, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. And we sometimes we think, well, this is just a reference to Jesus's earthly ministry here on earth. But in the whole context of this parable, it's no, Jesus is here now being proclaimed by the church um, and uh, given through his word, here he is, uh, where two or three are gathered, here he is, in the word, there he is, in the in the sacraments, there he is. He is still here in this world until the end of time. Well, and I and I think the other part, you know, just picking off on, on your analogy, you know, what is it that, that we are not doing and what is it that we are to do? And you'd said, you know, we are to preach Christ, which is true. We are to preach Christ. But in the parable, I think implicit is less the preaching of Christ and more of the growing that that's the job of the wheat is to grow and, and, and of grow, course, in how, Christ, how, yeah. grow in Christ, grow in Christ, be strengthened in Christ because the weeds are growing too. Yeah, <laughs> 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 that's what the, yeah exactly. So, so, I mean, you know, when, when we choose not to, participate in godly things when we choose not to gather around those things that are good and god pleasing when we choose not to um <clears throat> participate in in growing in the knowledge of god and the knowledge of christ and getting closer to his cross the world is not stopping the the the, the world is not stopping their development to deny christ their desire to um um go their own way they're continuing to grow and you are just they're getting taller, right? Mm-hmm. And and the sun that is now hitting you and the rain that's now falling is is getting eaten up by them. And so there's this competition. At least that I see it. There's this competition between the wheat and the weeds. Um Yeah, and there's no like uh wheat field that has no weeds. So Christians right. can't isolate themselves. And that usually is the temptation throughout time for Christians to isolate themselves. We have the monasteries, the monastery movement, the aesthetics movement where people want to be isolated from the temptations of the world. And Jesus, it's not possible. You're going to be in the, in the midst of them. Um, you, and part of the reason, and this was in the book and the scandalous stories, and this is also um, shared by church fathers as well, is this idea of the wheat can become the weeds, the weeds can become the wheat. Uh, St. Augustine uh, said, what is tares one day may tomorrow be the wheat. Because we are pro- proclaiming Christ and proclaiming his word, uh, those who might be, um, we we might consider like the Tony example of someone, what, what 
why what per, what business does this person have being here? Um, well, that person might have the regeneration worked on through the Holy Spirit. God's the prayer of the church, "Thy kingdom come," might be answered in that individual as the Holy Spirit has worked faith in that individual through uh, the means of grace, and now that person is a wheat. Now, on the flip side, it could also happen where God's word is proclaimed and that individual um, rejects it, and so and that's their fault that they reject it. The fact that they have uh, they change from weeds to wheat is solely because of the Holy Spirit, which is what we confess in um, the Lord's Prayer and Luther's explanation of the Lord's Prayer, the Holy Spirit working through the Word uh, to bring us to faith. Well, I, I, I think there's also in this some some cautionary tale, <clears throat> and the cautionary tale that I would I would um, I would give is in the reality that Jesus is not saying place yourself into the world. He, he's not saying, okay, dear Christian, run out there and, and associate yourself with all of the, the, the weeds that are there because we're, they're not going anywhere and I can have an opportunity to change them. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. You know, Lotus, it is Jesus who planted, right? Jesus who planted and then someone else plants among his people. Um, it's not as if, his people choose to be planted among those of the, of the wrong. And I would say that there, you know, a good example of some of these on, on maybe both sides would be the example of Lot and Abraham. You have, um, Lot who chose to be planted among evil, uh, and, and it hindered him. Mm-hmm. It, it, it hindered him greatly. And even to the point where, where maybe you would say with Lot, you know, is he, you know, does he really look like a righteous guy? I mean, he's, he's trying to condone, uh, and, and when the angels come and he tries to give his daughters, um, to, to gratify the desires of the people who have gathered around and he's like, just take my daughters instead. Or, or, or afterwards when, when, um, Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed, right? He gets drunk and, and impregnates his own daughters. Um, you'd think that's not godly behavior, that that's not what we're looking at. Um, and then you have the, the counter, right? Abraham, where he, he chose to live apart, but he wasn't so great either. I mean, we could go into that story as well. Um, so I mean, where does God plant you? Sometimes in our sinful nature, we, we convince ourselves we're doing something godly because we are, we're planting ourselves next to the weeds so we can be that witness, right? Um, we, we can, we hear that sometimes in school. I'm not going to send my kid to the, the, the private school because they're going to be my, they're going to be the witness to those other public school kids. Is, is that really their job at that age or is their job to be growing so that their, their roots are good? I, I'm just it all posing depends the question. on where you're planted. I, I'm, you're, I'm posing the question. Yeah. We sent our kids to public school for many years and it wasn't just because we wanted them to be witnesses in the world. We wanted them to be students. And this, this is, that was what we had available to us. Well, but, but again, that's like you said, where you're planted. I mean, if you're planted in an area where you don't have an option to do differently, God's planted you there. Um, but if you are in a, in a place where you can do differently, God's planted, God's planted you with an opportunity, right? I, and I guess I'd also say, um, doesn't matter where you're planted, the evil will be there. So even if you send your kids to Christian day school, it doesn't mean that they are going to be somehow isolated from temptation or isolated from the work of the devil because it'll yeah. still be there. Um, and that's all part of the story of the weed and the weeds are together. People at, at Lutheran high, people in, 
in any of the grade schools are still using bad language. They're still using bad gestures. Um, it doesn't change. Human nature still is there. And, and, and I guess that's, that comes back to, to what you had said, which is, is the beautiful picture that, that maybe something we don't focus on as much as we should. Inside us, there is the wheat and the weed growing. And what are we feeding? Um, and sometimes we over feed the weed. <laughs> um, and, and we let that grow and get out of control. And, and like you said, so easily we can become one of the tares. We can become one of the weeds instead of <clears throat> the, the weed that we should be. It's a good, I, I mean, it's, it's really a good parable that, that is scandalous in the sense of, you know, we shouldn't be going on the holy jihads. We should not be going out there and saying, change the laws to make everyone seem like they're Christian so we cover up their sin more. It's more of, you know, let, let it stand. What is the kingdom of God? Is it a king of something external or is it about God's grace and his means of grace where he communicates that grace to us through word and sacrament? And how often don't we as Christians, we, we fail at that. We keep looking for um, evidences of everyone's faith and say, well, they're a believer or they're not a believer based on this or that or the other thing. And the, the point of the matter is, is focus it on Jesus, sin and grace. Yeah, you point out sin, but then you talk about grace and you talk about grace some more. Um, talk about grace some more because this is what we, what we need. This is what's going to cause our, our faith to grow. So, so, I mean, you have one of those things that happens, um, which is for everybody, you know, we want the silver bullet, right? We've, it's a common saying, um, you know, that one thing that's going to be the key to success, success. Um, and, and I was just reading an article on, on Christian daily and they were saying how, um, there's this huge blow up right now that, that, um, teen ministry has failed us because we're losing teens and young adult ministry or a young, yeah, young adult ministry has failed us because we're losing the 20 and 30 year olds. Um, and then there's, um, there, they had another article that was saying, uh, elderly ministry it's is fair. failing because so many people are going into nursing homes and being left there and no one's coming to, to minister to them. And, and I look at that. And if you take the wide, that, that wide sweeping, you're saying, well, there's a lot of failures, <laughs> a lot of weeds. Um, and there's, and we're, they're all searching for the silver bullet. How do we, how to retain the youth? What can we do that is guaranteeing that the youth are going to stay? Uh, how are we going to retain the, the middle years after they get out of college and they're forming their families and they seem as if life isn't the most important thing instead of life to come? How are we going to deal with those people who all of a sudden they, they no longer can support the church because they're, all of their assets are being taken by the nursing home. Um, and, and yet they still need Christ. Um, do we forget about them or do we engage with them? And the answer, so beautifully said by you, um, means of grace ministry. Means of grace ministry is what waters. Means of grace ministry is what what continues to refresh. Means of grace ministry is is what um, continues the growth of the wheat. And and it is not a silver bullet. Um, it is God's grace undeserved for the sinner. And that is, in and of itself, amazing. But it's like, really? Yeah, it's messy. <laughs> And it's, it leads to people, you know, like, uh, um, our congregation is wrestling with, you know, we have a, a sex offender who uh, eventually we'd like to have them come and worship somehow. But right now it's that we have the things in place where I'm going to visit them. 
where this is the thing I'm wrestling with in our congregation here at Emmanuel Shirley is like, how will that be received and just making sure we educate and make sure we protect the individual as well as protect the congregation and the kids in the congregation as well. But just that the mentality of this, this parable is a really good one because we would say, what right does that person have to sit in this pew next to me or be in the same building as I am? Well, Jesus is the right because his means of grace are for that individual too. And how, um, we expect, first of all, that the means of grace to be so successful, and it's not. So Jesus says, I am the seed that is planted, and you would expect, oh, that's always going to work out well, and it, it doesn't always work out well. And you'd expect, uh, secondly, sometimes these um, it's messy that you would say, we are always going to err on the side of grace, err on the side of, of forgiveness, rather than uh, trying to uh, have borders and say only certain people can then can, can come and worship. Well, and, and, you know, this really brought up, um, something that I struggled with and that is, uh, um, you know, we're looking for the silver bullet and it's not there, but we have the tools where we, where we can say, this is, this is what we know works because God promised that it will work. Um, and, and we're very poor handlers of the means of grace. Um, and the thing that I struggled with, and, and maybe this is a time to talk about it because, When someone comes to church, they come through these doors, especially within the Lutheran church. We, our charge is to, to, um, preach, teach, and minister the sacraments, right? Our job is to say, okay, here are the promises of God. Here are the tools in which he has given us that he works his promises and works his salvation. Our job is to offer them. That's our job. What about the what about the, the the man who comes in and and he thinks and feels maybe I'm really close to becoming a weed because I'm struggling and he's he's in through the door and it just happens to not be a communion Sunday. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Next Freak. week, if you come back, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll handle your weed problem. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I've struggled with that. Yeah, you know, is the church becoming the one that dictates when you can receive the means of grace as opposed to uh, the person who enters into the building and says, this is the place where God's means are going to be offered all the time in both forms, right? In word and in sacrament every Sunday. And it's all up to me. It's up to me as to, am I going to stand before God and say, I need them or not? Not the church telling me it's offered or not. And I've struggled with that because, because those are the only tools that, that keep us from becoming the weeds in this world and, and reverting back to the desires of what we have. Um, so many times you, you have people, well, I'll, it, communion's only first and fourth in, in Maribel. I'll only show up for one of them. Well, what if it was every Sunday? Would you show up? If we could offer it every Sunday for you, would that, would that work better? You know, there's just, uh, yeah, and the key is offering it, so it's not forced that right. people have to come. But here we're going to offer this um, every time that we worship. Yeah, I uh, I thought you were going to go in a different direction, so could I take it in a different direction? Absolutely. So, so many times I think about. I don't want to go that way. <laughs> <laughs> you can, but I would. <laughs> So many times I think of uh, you're sitting there in church and you go, if these people really knew who I was, they wouldn't want to be worshiping with me. All the time. All the time, yeah. If they really knew what was going through my heart, 
And then sometimes you think, well, I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to, to have to receive the Lord's Supper. I don't deserve, uh, to be a pastor in this, in this congregation. And then, then you are reminded it's not about you and it's not about your, your, um, sanctified life, but it is about Christ for you, which happens in this, in this, in this time. Uh, communion, definitely Christ for you. Here it is. Eat and drink it. Um, every Sunday, Christ for you, forgiveness of sins and the absolution. Yeah, speaking out through the word, right? Yeah, here he is. Um, here he is for you. Um, I, I think even even more so. Uh, the thing that I have gotten of of late, um, great comfort out of, was the fact that uh, of the call, and, and and that comes back down to being planted. Um, I, I've gotten made just so much comfort out of the fact that. I feel inadequate. I, if the people knew that, that who I, like you said, who I was, they, they would be like, no, I don't, I don't. And some people have already caught on to who I am and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but the fact of the matter is I'm, I'm, the Lord called me there, right? The Lord called me there and, and keeping that in the purview that, okay, that doesn't give me the opportunity or the, it doesn't give me the right to just do whatever I want. That's not what I'm saying. It's not as if I can just, you know, fly mm-hmm. off the handle, but there's a respect there that says, God, God placed this into my lap because I'm capable and because he desired whatever I have the gifts for to use them here. Mm-hmm. And, and he's done that with everyone um, within the congregation, everyone within our congregation, within the congregations of Shirley, within the congregations of, of Maribel, within the congregation in Denmark, um, Rockwood, Carlton, even though they may be switching now, mm-hmm. right, in our area, um, even all the congregations in, in the greater surrounding areas in which in our, in our communities, for now the towns are very, very close. God has planted those people there and said, okay, you bring something to this particular portion of the body of Christ and you are in a world that's growing around you and it's getting darker as they grow higher and, and you got to keep up. And so here's how you're going to keep up. You're going to, you're going to come here and you're going to receive, you're going to receive, you're going to receive more than you ever thought and more than you ever deserved. And then you're going to, and then you're going to live in this area that I, I placed you in. And that's, there's a comfort to that. I think, and maybe it's just me. Yeah, I've been thinking about the call more and more lately, especially with all the calls that are available and all the calls that are out there. And 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 some are not more, leaving. What? <laughs> you know this for a fact, or, or are you just saying no? You can't I just, leave. <laughs> I just remember uh, <laughs> when I was uh, a young pastor uh, who was out in Montana, and uh, we had a pastors' conference, and I one of my members had. Uh, dinosaur stuff on his um on his ranch and so he um we gave some time to him to talk about uh about his ranch and about his interaction with scientists who are evolutionary and, and things of that nature and the things that they find on the on the ranch and so he's up there and he's talking and he and i didn't always get along um but i was always sharing him the truth of god's word and he he stood up there and he's like you know, I'm really glad you guys are here and I'm really glad for Pastor Rudot. And don't you dare ever give him a call like my district president <laughs> is in there. I was like, whoa, a second. So I thought of that when I said, no, you're not getting a call. I did probably, probably didn't have the same effect as he did because he was, you know, you, your rancher type that you would imagine of some, uh, someone to be. So anyway. But, um, I, but I think there's, there's, you know, 
being part of the call, it, it, we understand it a little bit different than maybe our, our people do. But, but this is the beauty of what I read into, in, into this parable of the weeds. It's less about the weeds and it's more about God doing the planting. And, and even though there's other things that have been planted around it or, or spursed in between it, God still did the planting and he intended for that crop to be there. And, and that is just an amazing thing to think about, especially when, and, and, and maybe we got to talk about it because we have churches in our area that are dying. And it seems like they're dying, right? It seems that they're getting smaller. The gospel and hasn't left the area. Right. But it fit the, the institutions are not the same as the, the ministry of the gospel. Right. And, so, and the way, and the place where people are planted may shift. May shift, yeah. Um, I think the idea of, um, I had a closing thought, not really a closing thought, but I had a thought about with I have the, thoughts too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Spill them, Dave. Just stop can, beating around can, the bush. Can, the more you beat, the more he'll just interject and well, have something I, else to say. If I keep distracting you, you won't remember it. <laughs> I'll be like, where is Will going now? Um, We're not but over yet. the idea, <laughs> just the fact of congregations who are, are struggling with their membership or struggling to pay the bills and, and all that and some the mentality of, uh, it, it's, it's getting worse and the world is getting, it's never the way, you know, it's not going very well. Jesus's parable tells us we are always among the wheat, the weeds and the wheat. It is always bad. Maybe when we were eight years old, we didn't recognize it because we weren't watching the news. We weren't aware of world events. But so when we look back at the time when we're eight years old, we think it's the glory years because nothing bad happened. Well, we weren't aware of the bad things that happened. And the second point I wanted to bring up is, the idea that it's always going to be here. It's never going to somehow magically turn around. There never is going to be a, a rapture where the believers will be carried off and the unbelievers will be left here. There's always going to be the believers and the unbelievers mixed together till the end, till the angels harvest yeah. them all. And as depressing of a thought that is, Christ is still here. But But you know, as depressing of a thought as that is, just go back into history. Go back into the history of Shirley. Go back in the history of Maribel. Go back in the history of 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 the church, and um, realize that in the times of where things looked at the darkest, right, the church boomed. Uh, you, you had people. You had these the the wheat coming together and and doing great things for the Lord. Um, and it wasn't all of them. It wasn't everybody. It never was, and it never would be. Um, but you maybe had some people, small, small groups of them that came together and built a church. Or you have, uh, a smaller still people that came together and supported, um, uh, an addition, right? To the church. And they, they, they came together and they said, we're going to do this and we're going to, we're going to put this together. And so I, I think there's, there's some wonderful things that, that the gospel enables us to do and the gospel opens us up to do that that even though the wheat might look small and it might look insignificant and it might look interspersed with weeds and it might look like like we're being strangled out the 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 wheat still comes together um and does extraordinary things in the communities in which it's found yeah so. it it is completely scandalous to our thinking that the wheat would thrive in the middle of the weeds yeah you would think yeah. that the weeds should be all the wheat should be all by itself the in the parable, the owner says it's better for the wheat to be in the midst of all of this, yeah, and it's going to produce a better crop. 
Yeah. And and it's that's where it doesn't fit in our natural way of looking or the true way of looking at how wheat grows and all those things. But in God's way, when he's thinking about the kingdom of having his people, yes, in the middle of unbelievers, whether that's in the middle of the unbelievers sitting there in the pew or whether it's the middle of the unbelievers sitting there in the world, God puts us where we are and the devil doesn't leave us alone. You know, they say that wherever God builds a chapel, the devil builds a church or a church chapel, something like that. So the devil isn't going to leave us alone. doesn't matter where we are. We can't isolate ourselves from the world. We're in the world. And so let's be light. Let's bring Christ to the world. Let's plant some seeds. And God, by his grace, working through the Holy Spirit, will cause his kingdom to grow in the hearts of of some. And uh, and it all all to his glory, all by his grace. And um, it will continue to happen until the end of time. But isn't it in, 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 there's a life lesson here that you can apply and look at it and say, you know, look at modern farming, right? Um, they are so concerned about getting rid of the weeds, right? They, they spray and they spray and they spray and they spray and they spray. And instead of killing the weeds, what have they done? They've weakened the crop and they have, they've created super weeds <laughs> that are, are more able to withstand. You know, if, if, if the church, if the church would take a lesson from the parable that God has placed with us, even in modern farming today, but in this parable as well, um, you do more damage going and ripping out the weeds than it would be to just focus on growing and, and doing what the church should be doing. Um, maybe we would go a long way, right? I, I think there's a, there's a really good parallel there. Um, you know, we get so caught up in, fixing everyone's problems that we, we fail to realize that, you know, leave it to Christ, do what we have in our wheelhouse to do, you know, and, and there was a phrase, um, one of the previous hosts of this show or past host many, many times ago, um, the bald and the beautiful, uh, Pastor Don Winsberger, you know, I was always welcome back. He's always welcome back, but I've never seen a bald man with such gravitas. I mean, he had his own gravity, <laughs> but anyway, he used to say he had his, own <laughs> his theological girth and growth was yes. humongous. <laughs> but, but, you know, um, he used to, he used to always say, stay in your lane. And, and I think that's, that's really what we have here is stay in your lane, right? Um, in the end, God's going to take care of it. God, God, God knows. God knows who he's planted. God knows how he's planted. God knows who are his. Um, and, and so he's given you what you can do, where you can do it, how you can do it. And he's given you the tools and the means by which to do it. And then he says, stay in your lane. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, and it's not worth worrying about. And so, uh, whoever has ears, let him hear. As we are looking at the uh, closing our thoughts on this parable, um, sometimes we are obsessed with the wrong things, and we are obsessed with ma- weeding out all of the riffraff that comes in our worship service or riffraff that's coming throughout the world. And the, the the point of the matter is is to preach Christ and His crucified because that's how His kingdom comes to this world until the angels come and they do the final harvest. So let's keep on listening to Jesus and His word. <laughs>